years later, I came back out to LA for shooting a commercial and he saw all the film equipment in the back of the car. And he was like, I didn't even know you wanted to do film or you like film. He's like, my friend is is making a documentary. We should go over to his house. He took me over and, the, and there's a whole crew in there like pre-planning to go over to the Sudan and Africa to to uh, shoot this documentary. I went and I did MBA and I ended up back in LA. And when I'm looking for that first kind of film job in LA, that company hired me that was doing that documentary at the time. It all came from Mark and that, that connection. Welcome friends. You're listening to The Hook with Sarah Larson, a podcast that's curious about disruption and how it affects our personal lives, our careers, and the people around us. I'm your host, Sarah Larson, a business coach and serial entrepreneur, but also someone who truly enjoys deep conversations. In today's episode, we have the incredible entrepreneur Brandon Cobb joining us to share his inspiring journey and experiences in the business world. Brandon is a true believer in the power of entrepreneurship. In fact, his entrepreneurial journey began with his mother and grandfather. From there, Brandon's own path led him through college organizations, a TV station, and an internship with MTV. These experiences opened doors for him in the film industry and eventually led him to Los Angeles for film-related opportunities. But Brandon's journey is far from conventional. You'll learn how a disruption once he moved to LA left him no choice but to figure out how to make his own way financially and also taught him that the relationships you make can help you when you least expect it. In our conversation, we'll dive deep into Brandon's experiences and the lessons he's learned about the ever-evolving field of marketing. Discover how he's using his expertise to consult, develop lead systems, and create models that understand the synergy of different marketing efforts. Join us as we explore Brandon's journey and learn valuable insights about entrepreneurship, marketing, and the power of continuous learning. Before we get into the episode, I want to quickly share something with you. Since January of this year, I've been doing a weekly planning session with a good friend. We haven't missed a single week, despite travel and life's disruptions, because we've discovered how much it helps us get things done. Even if I don't follow my plan every single day, I at least know what I have coming up. It's helped me so much, I decided to host a planning session so others can reap the same benefits. You're invited to join me for a weekly plan with me on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. I'm calling it Breakfast Blend because I love coffee, but it's a come-as-you-are Zoom session. So bring your drink of choice. Come-as-you-are, no makeup required, PJs and bedhead are welcome. We start by celebrating our wins for the previous week. We have a little bit of quiet time where we put ourselves on mute to do some planning and then come back together to talk about what we have coming up. Come join me Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern. Oh, did I mention it's free? And just in case you're one of those people that thinks they don't have any wins to celebrate, I'm going to show you how to find them. So come anyway. I send out the Zoom details every Sunday morning by email. So look for the sign-up link in the show notes. Whether you're curious about starting a business, just beginning your journey as a business owner, or are a veteran entrepreneur, this podcast is an opportunity to learn from the experiences of my guests. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to take your own endeavors to the next level. Let's begin. Welcome to The Hook with Sarah Larson. I'm your host, Sarah Larson, and I'm excited to introduce today's guest. I have Brandon Cobb with MarketingExecutive.us, and he is going to introduce himself and tell us a little bit more about what he does. Hi, everyone. So first off, thanks for listening in. Uh, I've been marketing for 15 years and in a variety of industries across companies of all sizes. Right now, I've been consulting uh, companies on a fractional basis. So what that means is, uh, you know, I've got multiple clients at the same time. Sometimes the client may need one hour a week. Sometimes they may need 15, 20 hours a week. But uh, nevertheless, uh, open to, to having a chat with you and uh, look forward to today's discussion. Awesome. So just to, uh, so fractional was something that I hadn't really heard that term before when I saw your description. And so is it essentially you're like the CMO for multiple organizations is that the idea you could say that yeah so it's it's basically um 
kind of a new way that companies are are going uh, kind of in this, like, I guess you could say gig economy where um, yeah. maybe they've got it, either they don't have much of an in-house marketing department. So it's best for small to medium-sized companies, either they don't have much of a marketing in-house or if they do, maybe it's uh, more of a, um, like a junior employee, or they might just be getting to a point where they're just hitting a, a wall and they need to get um, up and over that hump. So uh, with that come in, the, the whole goal is uh, to not have to give a full-time effort to any one company, but across the variety. And then the other thing is um, hopefully you don't need to stay on forever either. So it's uh, kind of build some infrastructure, build some strategy and kind of put you on your way. Okay. I love that. Learn something new. So um, I'm going to start with our conversation where I typically begin, and that's, where did you grow up? Well, I'm from Ohio. I was born in Maine, but uh, grew up from age one to 18 in, in Urbana, Ohio. It's a small town uh, west of Columbus, north of Dayton. And then I went to uh, college at the University of Toledo up there in Northwest Ohio. Awesome. Well, I'm originally from Michigan, um, so I know sort of the vicinity. And um, it, interestingly enough, I actually know somebody who is from Urbana, Ohio. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a, it's a small town, 12,000 person town. So that is, that is pretty interesting. And Toledo is only, I mean, you can go five minutes down the road to be in Michigan there. So. Exactly. Exactly. Spent more time at the Toledo Zoo than the Detroit Zoo, even in, <laughs> nice. in my childhood. Nice. So cool. Yeah. So what was childhood like? What was your, were you an only child? Did you have siblings? Well, I had siblings. I had a, I was the oldest child, but uh, I had a younger brother, younger sister. And, you know, we're always challenging each other as well, competing against each other. But um, uh, our mother was a uh, entrepreneur and so was her father. So our grandpa. Um, so we grew up in a, a uh, I guess, a, uh, witnessing various entrepreneur efforts. And we also uh, kind of, I guess, by not, not by choice or by force, like we're with them sometimes uh, growing up and got to see how, how some of the stuff's done. So I think that planted um, at least like good money management, if nothing else, and then just uh, the ability to think creatively and, and come up with solutions. That is really interesting, having those examples of entrepreneurship as a child. I think that's really nice. Um, nowadays, I, I see that sometimes with homeschooling where a lot of times that they might be entrepreneurs that have children that they do that with. And it feels like a good way for you to learn sort of that entrepreneurship isn't easy. <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, you know, my, my grandpa uh, had a funeral home and that was a good business. He always said, uh, there's two businesses that uh, you can do well. And then that's anything that involves uh, bringing in life or, or life going away. So it's, yeah. you know, birth or related to birth or related to death. Uh, it's always going to be needed there. So um, he, he did well with funeral home. Uh, my mother, I, that's where when you're talking about not always easy, I saw uh, her go through several uh, businesses before she, I mean, they all did fairly well, but like it, it, several until she got the the hit. And um, uh, and so she had a used clothing, a children's used clothing store. She had a um, a birthday, uh, she had a, a location that threw birthdays, kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese type thing. Mm -hmm. And then um, she eventually did very well. So she loved kids, obviously. And she, she eventually did well with uh, driving schools. So she had a couple of driving schools and that was kind of off. Maybe I'm guessing uh, when my grandpa said that about, uh, you know, birth and death, uh, it, this is something more in the middle of life, but or early still, but I guess like yeah. it's something most people are going, it's a life stage. And so right. people are going to continue to be coming through and there's going to continue to be a demand for it. Exactly. That's really smart. Um, and he's right. Yeah. There, there are certain parts of life that you just can't avoid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's great that she settled on that. Um, did you, what happened after high school? Well, I went to um, University of Toledo. And the reason I did is uh, it was the only school in Ohio uh, 
where they offered a, a fictional film program. So, you know, other schools had um, broadcasting programs, but there was no other school that offered a film program. And so um, I had uh, really fell in love with, with video making in uh, high school. Uh, we had a class for it and I had a TV show on a local station there in our county. And um, so I went there to Toledo and then that kind of uh, pro got propelled by taking on internships. And so I did an internship in New York City with MTV uh, in Times Square and then out in uh, LA uh, at Paramount Pictures. And so um, that kind of was a spark in the creative fields, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of business in those creative fields. And that's, yeah. You know, we can go down that road of how I, I ended up still in business. First of all, I'm curious because everybody loves film. Um, like a good movie is always something fun to watch. And hearing you say that even in high school, you had a, a local TV show. Um, mm. how did, you know, how did you get into that? It, was it through the class that you took in high school? Yeah, so I took a three-year um, class in high school or three years back to back to back of the mm. of uh with a, with a certain teacher, it was a, a video productions class. We did all the high school um, sporting events. We did all the city council meetings. Um, and these all were going on a local county uh, a station right. funded by taxpayers and stuff there. And so it was like a county station. And then, um, uh, but as a result, they were looking for some additional content. And I had, uh, and it's a great educational opportunity to let uh, some students, you know, put on a show too. So, yeah, and I imagine pretty inexpensive content for them. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that's well, that gave you some great experience then, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it definitely, um, I mean, that that's what set me down that that path of yeah. uh, of pursuing film. I, I had a PR major as well at at Toledo, but it was. Um, okay. The, set down the path of wanting to to look at film though so so how did you go how did you transition then into the internship how'd you end up with the internship at mtv and and then at the studio in la well um you know at, at toledo i was trying to stay as involved as i could i was um i did work at a local sports tv station up there as well um, and, uh, that was a bigger now station and things, but, um, and I, I was getting involved with different groups, different things. And, and so, you know, trying to build up the resume. And then I went on online to, uh, stations that I, I knew of and things and, you know, being in college at that time, MTV. So I go down the bottom of the page and this is before even people were regularly applying online kind of stuff. So it's like, Oh, people went, I remember them asking me, I'm like, I just went to the career section and then <laughs> submitted. And, um, but, but anyway, the, the internship went really well with MTV. And then, so Viacom, um, I think it's all been rebranded now to Paramount everything's under Paramount now, but it used to be Viacom CBS and, um, Viacom, owned MTV, they also owned Paramount Pictures. So when it came time for the next year's internship, kind of uh, having a, you know, a, a good referral from that first one kind of led to the next one. Because once I did the LA, or I mean, sorry, once I did New York, I knew like the next step kind of for film is, is get to LA, so. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Wow, that's really fun. So coming from Ohio, how was that, especially small town, how was it being in New York and then LA? What was that was, transition like? New York was perfect. I, I'm a, I, I, even though I live out here on the West Coast, my fiance and I were just in New York uh, about a month ago. And luckily she comes from a, a large city overseas and she um, uh, is, is very interested in New York, possibly down the line. I, I could do New York. My personality goes well in New York. Um, so it went really well. Uh, LA was more of a culture shock to me. Than, than New York. New York wasn't that much of a culture shock. LA was a culture shock though. Yeah, and, and it took um, it took several times uh, bouncing back and forth between Ohio and LA to, to really uh, eventually get established out there in LA. Okay. And I'm in San Diego now, so. Okay, how's that? Uh, great quality of life in, in San Diego, you know, pretty good weather. Although this year has been super cloudy. I don't know why, but, um, uh, cloudy, but, but, but in general, it's sunny, perfect weather. And it's, uh, 
a little less um, hectic or a little more normal than LA and yeah. um, a little just better quality of life altogether. I had good opportunities that brought me down here. So in, in business and in marketing and business. So, yeah. All right. Well, we'll follow the road where, so what, what came after uh, working for the studio in LA? Um, my mom cut me off financially. So, okay. you know, through college, I mean, I had a lot of interest. I had a full scholarship to Toledo and things, but um, the, uh, but outside of, of school, my, you know, I was being funded from my grandfather slash my mother and um, to go to do some of these internships and things too. And, and so uh, she cut me off uh, because I think, and I'm very grateful for it. At the time, I was very upset and things, but it's, um, I think it's a, a good thing from a parenting standpoint, in my opinion, because um, even if it's not they couldn't afford it, very much yeah. could afford it, is that wanted me to learn how to make money on my own, wanted me to learn how to um, uh, make my own way, and and um, yeah, and and I'm and I'm grateful for it because after that it wasn't all it wasn't all easy. I mean, there were periods where I was eating peanut butter sandwiches three times a day and and scrapping but um you know I I think it's ultimately uh got me to a point where I uh am am you know I'll never I'll never probably struggle financially because I've went through the struggle before and I now know how to do things yeah yeah it's a it is a great lesson to learn um that especially when you've been at that bottom point, you know, you can get out of it again. You know, you know how you have the tools, but what was it like at the time? What was your reaction and what did you do? Well, I think it's taking jobs you don't want to take and, and being upset with the, but, but the thing, the interesting thing is it's interesting how everything comes full circle. And like at the time, what you're doing, you may be, angry, pissed off, not like the job, not finding glam, you know, all these different things. But then later uh, it comes back and, and you find out uh, that it actually taught you something or made a connection um, that uh, led to something. So I love that message because I think that that happens more times than people realize that you do, you make a connection or you've learned something and you may not recognize that for years. So that's, yeah. that's really great. And, and for years, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it can be years, but eventually you kind of see uh, that it all was working in, in a good way. So, yeah. Yeah. I like to say everything is always working out for me, but it may not always seem like it at the time. <laughs> right. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah. What kinds of jobs did you take before you ultimately found the thing that moved you? Yeah, well, I was um, I was doing uh, uh, enrollment for a for-profit university. So, you know, I was not thrilled about working for a for-profit university. I was not thrilled about doing and like trying to recruit students to this. I thought I'm putting them in debt, and I thought and 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 um, I just didn't feel good about it. I didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the creative field that I went. I thought I went to school for and stuff. But ultimately, do learning how to do all this. Uh, both cold outreach but I mean like also like working leads and stuff helped me later on in so many ways just how you leave uh voicemails and how you send emails and, and get response and trigger responses and and things like that so um so I was doing that I also worked at a yacht shop in Marina Del Rey um and uh and that one is the one where I said like a connection came out of this. so there was a guy um there in Marina del Rey, uh, named Margarita Rodriguez. Uh, they, I, I was kind of managing the, the, a bit of the operation there, I guess you could say for the owner. But the thing is, um, he, he was working on boats and I, uh, uh, years later, I came back out to LA for shooting a commercial for a company. I was with that had 500 stores across the U S and, and he saw all the film equipment in the back of the car. And, um, he was like, I didn't even know you wanted to do film or you like film. And I guess, I mean, we made very good friends there, but I don't know why I must have never really talked about it or something. And um, 
And then uh, he's like, my good, my friend is, is making a documentary. We should go over to his house. It's like, don't you think it's weird just showing up at their house? But he took me over and, the, and there's a whole crew in there like pre-planning to go over to the Sudan and Africa to, to uh, shoot this documentary with Intel that was um, going to 3D print prosthetic arms and do like a branding piece for Intel, but also um, a uh, do good for set up this village with continuing to print 3D prosthetic arms. They're in a civil war, so they're they needed cheap options to and um, and so when I eventually I, I realized out there that uh, you know the level of competition in LA versus Ohio and things like there's a stronger skill set educationally, experience wise, just natural ability wise, all kinds of things. I needed more uh, knowledge and skills. And I kind of, even though I love, I love creative and I, I, I thought I could be uh, kind of on the business side of the liaison between the creatives and business and stuff. So um, I went and I did MBA uh, and then I ended up back in LA. And when I'm looking for that first kind of film job in LA on the business side of things, that organization, that company hired me that was doing that documentary at the time. And, um, and it all came from the yacht shop. It all came from Margarito, Mark, Mark's uh, as a nickname, it all came from Mark. And I didn't, I had, where would it, why would it have came from Mark, but it came from Mark and that, that connection. And so, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I that's an example though, of how like something at the time, you know, is unrelated, but it still relates. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow, what a great story. I love that um, that you had that connection and then you took the time to go get that MBA, get you that experience that you needed to be competitive um, in your field. So what was the role that you took? Uh, well, I was like an associate producer slash marketing manager at a, um, a company called Not Impossible Labs. So they were doing a lot of these kind of like... Uh, cheap hacks that can solve a health uh, problem that previously was thought of as impossible. They come up with a solution, make it possible, but they partner with big brands who kind of finance the, the research and development side of this and then uh, documenting it and, and ultimately um, uh, distributing that to go viral. So we had like uh, Katie Couric coming out from Yahoo News and we had, um, it was a house in Venice. So it wasn't like an office. It was interesting because it was set up like an office, but it was a house in Venice and um, uh, Venice Beach. And, and so that was, uh, that was pretty interesting. But, you know, after, after um, a bit of time there, I, I realized, you know, what I, just like everything else, I'm, I'm trying to get to what I ultimately wanted to do. And that was, it wasn't to go out there to work on documentaries. It was to work on the feature films. And so um, that takes me to the, the kind of the next step there, which really dives into business. Awesome. Well, keep going. Let's hear more. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. This, this is a fun career that I would never have thought too much about uh, the opportunity for people to be in that industry or, you know, it, all you hear is it's really hard to break into and all of that. And so fantastic that you had that in um, yeah. all leading back to the yacht club and so yeah I'm, I'm in, very interested in, in hearing more about it yeah so um well so so I took off and and kind of start down the I guess um teaming up with a few people and, and kind of the entrepreneurial aspect of things and this is where when I said going back to the call center all the reach out help. So I um, basically, I found some databases of uh, movie executives. Um, at the time, I don't think they have it anymore, but the Variety publication had a database of 10, I don't know, 10, 15, 20,000 movie executives. So I, um, I took that and I had a kid that just had graduated from college that I um, paid uh, per email to send out. So, you know, at the time, I think there was for sure like MailChimp and things that you could send a, a, a blast, but I didn't want to make it look mass. 
sent. And nowadays there's things where you can just send one-to-one even on Gmail. But at the time, I don't know if that was possible. And I wanted it to really look like one-to-one from personal um, email. And so he, he sent out emails trying to set up meetings. And then, uh, you know, my, myself, my team, we, we went around, we took meetings uh, anywhere from five to 10 a day around LA. This was pre-COVID. So, you know, we're driving around LA, going coffee shop, coffee shop, office to office, taking tons of meetings. And then ultimately what you're finding is a, a bunch of half-baked projects. Um, so the reason why I say that is going back to that previous experience helped kind of spark like how, how can you make this possible to, to get responses and then um, when you're you're going to these meetings though you're, you're finding a bunch of half-baked projects maybe there's a little investment maybe there's a some type of actor attached but no investment and uh, and you're meeting with distribution companies you're meeting with you know special crew and directors all these things and but you're taking all the pieces and you start to put the pieces of the puzzle together and then at some point the whole picture comes together where you can uh, be greenlit with a full investment and, and go out and, and make a project and then as a result of, of, of kind of initiating this you're in charge uh, from the point of uh, getting the project sparked to getting the investors back their dollars at the end. So then you oversee the production of the film, keep it on budget, keep it on schedule, um, keep uh, the quality high, uh, and then you you get distribution. There's all kinds of marketing promotion that goes into the, the distribution of movies, and then you recoup the investments for investors. And so um, this was... Uh, you know, I, I credit all those things we talked about earlier, growing up in an entrepreneurial family. I credit some of these experiences. I didn't know how they were helping to help. And, um, and it led to seven movies being fully uh, made, distributed um, across, uh, some, some opened up in theaters, some theaters across the U.S., some, um, all of them made it on all the distribution, uh, digital streaming platforms. One went on Stars, had a contract with Stars for a while, and then, um, Another kept selling in Walmart over and over again. So, um, yeah, and th- and that's a whole business side. Now you're running a business. Now you're not just running uh, uh, one one aspect. You're running each movie is almost like its own independent uh, LLC. There. So yeah, that makes sense. Of course, you're you're going kind of from start to to end and doing everything involved with that movie, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like multiple businesses. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, then um, I just realized, you know, I'm, I'm working really hard and, and although the movies are getting made, although the budgets are going up on the movies, although the actors are getting uh, the, the more and more famous actors on the, the projects and stuff, um, I'm, not, I'm not making that much and I'm not, uh, I mean, I'm making enough to, to live on in LA and do be all right, but I'm not making that much and I'm also I'm working seven days a week like 10 hour days and so I ended up um, deciding because I had that MBA in marketing I had um, you know marketing experience from uh, a few other things in the past so I, I realized I was gonna um, just try to find a marketing job and and see uh, uh, you know where that takes me and and I ended up uh, only interviewing for one job in San Diego and I got that one job and um, I didn't really want to leave uh, LA, but I, I would have rather found like a steady, good, you know, job in LA. But the thing was that um, I couldn't beat the pay coming down here, and then it was going to be you know forty hours a week or maybe even less, and uh, and it was like it was double the pay, half, uh, basically half the time. And then I get down here to San Diego, and uh, and, and it, you know, it's a it's a cleaner city. There's maybe not as much as excitement, but it's a cleaner city. It's a better quality of life. And so, uh, you know, I stayed down here and I marketed for, uh, in the real estate industry. And then that's a whole road of, of entrepreneur, or I mean, a whole road of, of business stuff that has happened yeah. over the last six years with, you know, that too. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So interesting. I mean, obviously money is part of it, but you mentioned it's less, it was almost less than half of what the hours that you were putting in previously were a lot less money. And I've talked to lots of people who about burnout um, and sort of that, that hustle culture of, you know, you got to go, 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 go. And with the expectation that you're just going to, you know, continue to grow that income, right? But you're saying you were putting in all these hours, you were seeing the benefits on the film side, but not so much in your pocket. 
Yeah. I mean, it was, it was growing in my pocket too, but it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, yeah, I, I think burnout could be a good word for that. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and also, you know, as the movie projects get bigger in budgets, things get more complicated uh, legally and all kinds of things. So it, it is a whole nother, um, yeah, it just, I, I don't, I don't well, another know. Another level of stress, right? Another level of stress. Yeah. Another level of people that you're working with and stuff. And, um, yeah. So, so I agree. It's not just money, Yeah, but it's nice when you can live an easier life, a better life in a lot of ways, yeah. regardless, even if it was the same money, but you can also make a lot more money too. So, yeah. 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 Yes. All of those things are beneficial. And, you know, you certainly put in the time to get you there. Um, so you were in the real estate industry doing marketing. Yeah. So um, I was head of marketing for a, uh, a six office real luxury real estate company here in San Diego um, that family owned that had 130 real estate agents. And, um, and then uh, we got acquired. We were doing very well for being mm -hmm. like, we were, we were outpacing the San Diego market averages on, on gr growth and sales and all kinds of different things. So we ended up getting acquired by um, uh, Corcoran organization, which uh, was started by Barbara Corcoran out in New York. And then um, she no long, she exited the business in the early two thousands, but they use her name and they started franchising. And so we got swept up along with uh, our six offices, along with a total of 80 offices across California, Nevada, and Ohio, and, um, and became part of an organization where I was then a executive vice president of demand generation. So it was specifically the, the, paid, uh, the paid side of marketing, not like branding and experience-wise of consumers, mm -hmm. but the, how, how, do you, how do you do advertisements and turn it into uh, more, more, more dollars? And um, and and attribute it and track it and 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 really uh, credit it for for creating that that value, and so okay. that was a you know that was a good experience as well. If you're like most small business owners, you've invested in one or probably many platforms to support your business, but maybe you aren't sure if they're doing what you want them to do, or you don't have the patience or the time to figure it out. You need to spend time doing what you do best, helping your current clients and attracting new ones. I can help. With my new program, The Audit, I'll take a look at your current processes and platforms, such as welcoming new subscribers to your email list or onboarding new clients for coaching, courses, or memberships, automations that you can set and forget. I also perform audits on brick and mortar businesses from scheduling to order fulfillment to inventory. Let me save you time and money by reviewing your processes and platforms to find the most cost-effective and efficient way to automate processes that allow you to run your business without reinventing the wheel with every new product or offer. I'll provide a written report with recommendations for optimizing your current platforms, and if appropriate, offer options that would simplify the process or reduce your costs. And you'll have access to me for a month after the audit to ask questions during implementation. Click the link in the show notes to get started today. I always thought that marketing and advertising, it, it really was similar to branding or there, there's definitely some crossover there where not everything was really trackable. Um, we know that, you know, people advertise on the Super Bowl and it's not like they're going out the next day and going, well, where did those buyers come from uh, and tracking it back to the Super Bowl ad? How do you, how do you find that um, tangible yeah. relationship? Well, first with all the digital capabilities we have now in the digital space, things are a lot more trackable. So yeah. that, that being that. Yes. Secondly, even if you're doing, uh, you know, more traditional marketing and, and offline marketing and things, it's going to be, um, you're going to either see because you're doing this mix of things and increase in revenue or you're not and uh and so i uh i'm actually working on this now i'm i'm so now i i consult companies and i um 
and I, I come in, I set up their lead systems and their infrastructure and things. And, and I'm doing simultaneously a DBA now. So it's a doctorate of business administration with University of Florida. And so this is why I'm, I'm working, uh, doing this. It's a bunch of uh, like executives and stuff in that program. And my project is all about marketing attribution. So the, the matter of fact is it's, we're not great at it as marketers yeah. now. Um, we're really, really great in the marketing industry for uh, first touch point attribution or last touch point attribution. So first touch point attribution being that um, uh, this was the initial impression, the initial uh, connection that we made with consumers. And now it doesn't matter if it takes them a year to close uh, a, a buy after that. It's we give all the credit to this one thing that initially built that relationship um, with us. The second thing is uh, the the last touch point attribution. So maybe you know you've been you've been running TV ads, you've been running radio ads, you've been all kinds of things, email, and then eventually it's a specific email that makes them click and buy or whatever. Now you're giving all that uh, credit to that last touch point. What we're not good with is all that in between, and. Um, and so what my project is, is currently uh, gathering data on and, and, and focused on is how do we create a, a model where we understand mixes and the synergy that's created with certain mixes? Because right now it's a lot of times the intuition from a marketer uh, experience that's saying it. But what I found is, um, and luckily I had the CFO and the CEO support uh, at Corcoran to um, run some of the campaigns I did because they were profitable and they were, you know, it, it did work out. But I've also seen like with consulting some people, sometimes uh, it's it's difficult to, uh, they, they obviously believe in you, that's why they hired you, but it's difficult to convince them to okay a budget or okay a campaign because they just don't know it themselves whether that, is that going to be a waste of money or is it not? So what I really want to do is put some data on the front end that can positively project out what a certain mix will do and then also on the tail end properly attribute it and it's just because I think especially in this economy where you know you got to watch your dollars more and and um, as we go along I think marketing attribution is going to be more and more important and uh, that's what CFOs that's what CEOs are going to be looking for they're going to probably be happy to fund your your campaigns but they're going to need to see proof uh, and so the long sum it up is it's not easy there's no quick and easy way but um we're we're working on it and getting better so yeah it sounds like you know it's sort of in a little bit of experimental or data collection stage right where you're you're trying some things and and you're seeing where that takes you so that you can sort of say this is the mix that will that we recommend is that the idea yeah, so I mean, I would say when I said earlier about like, you're going to still see the total revenue. Okay, so yeah. let's say you have a TV ad, a radio ad, and a social ad, and you take mm -hmm. out the radio ad. What happens that total revenue? Put the radio ad back in. What does that happen to the total revenue? But not just what does the radio ad do alone, because that isn't, it's right. So uh, the, the problem is that things will change over time. Um, environments will change, economies will change, uh, seasons will change, all kinds of things. So what I'm trying to uh, put together here is something that um, the variables that don't, that are fixed mm -hmm. versus the variables that are, you know, the pieces that, that, that do change. And then, so you kind of put a, a filter or a layer on top and you can kind of predict out no matter what the current uh, situation or local situation is yeah. there. Um, but yeah, and also digital capacity. So the Corcoran one was very easy because it was mostly digital advertising that we we're doing. A lot of Google search, a lot of uh, proper tracking of, of journeys of, of where the, the consumer is going and how they get to us. So interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, I come most recently from magazine publishing and I had a couple of smaller community magazines and so obviously working with smaller businesses um, mm -hmm. that don't need a, a wider, you know, national reach. And sure. um, so I was just very curious about that because it's, we, we tended to focus more on the branding aspect that you're just getting your name in front of eyeballs every single month. Yeah. And so for, for that specific like example, I would say, you know, if you, if you are trying to make it, um, 
more actual, more lead generate. It depends what your goals are because it could yeah. be branding. But if you are trying to make it more um, lead attributable, then you could put a unique phone number, a unique URL. You know, some of these unique pieces where they know that they came from that, but that's still only tracking that one touch point. So it's still right. looking back at okay, if I if I'm doing uh, magazine ads. Uh, and I stop doing magazine ads, what, what boost is that giving me uh, or not giving me? And you got to kind of look in the, the big picture of that. So, right. Yeah. One of the things that we saw is that even that it was really hard to track because most people don't go straight from the magazine to making a phone call or mm-hmm. going to a website. And even if they did go straight to the website, there's not really a tracking method for that. Yeah. And so often, you know, people couldn't, necessarily see unless they just saw the overall revenue increase from everything that they're doing. And so, of course, I always encourage people to do more than one thing. It was just interesting because we'd find that a lot of times somebody just goes to Google and says, okay, who's the local painter? And then they see a list of names and they go, oh, I've been seeing that one. You know, they may not even realize where they It's just that repetition. So that was sort of the encouragement that I gave to um, local businesses. But what I did find is if it was the only thing they were doing and they weren't an established business, that was not really a successful sure. strategy for them. So yeah, it, things it take really consistency. is diversifying. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. That's really, it's really interesting to hear that um, just coming from a little bit different um, aspect of marketing in my experience. And sure. so cool. And, and the, that's what you're studying right now in creating this, this plan, this, this model. Project, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, uh, but, you know, on a full-time basis consulting and I'm I've, uh, in the e-commerce space as well and, and things like that. So now I, I think this to, to, to bring it all back together is, you know, it's, it's still entrepreneurial. It's yeah. still, you can see how, the entrepreneurial has stayed with me the whole way. You can see how, even though I like that creative space, um, that may be the, the marketing, the business, you know, that kind of like marketing is a lot of, there's a creative aspect, but there's a business, there's an analytical aspect of marketing too. So, um, and then, uh, you know, that those, all those pieces just come together and that's, that's, you know, what has taken me uh, to where I'm at now. And um, yeah. It sounds like um, business is going well for you. You're growing this firm. Um, And it's interesting, you know, coming from sort of thinking you were going to go into this creative side of things. Have you ever felt a strangeness or, you know, sort of that identity shift of like, well, I really thought I was going to be doing X and now I find myself working Mm -hmm. in real estate marketing or, or just, you know, something a little different. Have you felt that at all along the way? So before I made feature films, mm-hmm. there was nothing that was going to stop me from making feature films. Didn't matter if there was temporary stops along the way. I was going to, I had to do, I had to do that. So, um, but once I did do that, uh, and I mean, we're talking several million dollar films and stuff yeah. like, you know, budgets and stuff. So the thing is one, it's not like the $30 million films, but it's several million dollars. And so once I did that, I think for whatever reason, it got the bug out of me. Yeah. At the time when I said, I'm going to not just be focused on that anymore. Um, I didn't really look back. I, I, yeah, I, I think I was content. I, I had accomplished what I wanted to accomplish with it. I mean, I of course would wish could have been more successful with it, this and that, but I accomplished whatever that urge was. So I was content with that. Now I'm working on building a better quality of life, but I will say, uh, and, and in a net worth building stage too. So the thing, you know, I've got a couple condos here in San Diego and I'm just working on, on things. So the, the, the thing is, um, at some point that will level out too. And I'm probably just look for happiness and not, you know, other things, but the, um, uh, I will say that people, I made connections back in the film industry, yeah. uh, cause you got a whole variety of characters in the film industry. And, um, I, I made connections with some very good people, uh, along the way. And some of those people have been continually reaching out to me over the years, wanting me to help them or advise them, consult with them on a few different things. 
And um, it looks like we have a couple projects that are, are going, they, they would not leave me alone. I didn't want to go back. I kept saying, I'm done with it. I, I'm happy to just talk to you, tell you what I know, but like, I'm done. But they kept kind of pestering me to get me a, a reattached to help them with their projects a little bit. And uh, I, I am attached to a couple projects right now, trying to help them navigate through the traction of investors and the talent addition. And then, you know, one hopefully going at the, the very beginning of 2024 into production. And um, so who knows? And that one's a bigger one. I mean, that one's about a seven, eight, maybe $9 million film. It's right in that range there. So if, if that one does better, who knows? It could re-spark something, but I yeah. don't, I got the bug out of me, luckily. Luckily, because some people don't, and you see them chasing things and wasting their life <laughs> towards it, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's good that you were able to do it, experience it, and know that you could be okay with yourself doing something different too. And I'll say even with these little projects, because I, like I said, I didn't want to really even be involved with them from the beginning, yeah. is that uh, if they don't work out or so, I'm, I'm okay. And I'm not okay. trying to find new ones either. So Right, yeah. right. I love the overarching idea of entrepreneurship and you know even though other than having having been cut off from the financial aspect of um, moving forward past internship and growing your career being forced to kind of grow it on your own uh, which I agree I think that it sounds like it was a pretty good experience for you in the long term you know getting those connections um, it's really just a, it, it's a great example of just what entrepreneurship can be like. Um, one of the things that I really like to do here besides just talking about disruptions is, you know, we, we everybody experiences disruptions, but um, the other aspect of it is I'm talking to entrepreneurs and, and hoping to inspire other entrepreneurs to understand that they're not alone in this um, walk and the more people that they can talk to that um, to hear these kinds of stories that it wasn't just a cake <laughs> it wasn't a piece of cake you know you really have to work at it and um, in the example of your mother changing from you know maybe starting a few different things because you hadn't quite hit on the right thing yet um, yeah. or just you did okay with it and decided you wanted to try something else there's you know lots of different lessons to be learned there, but I appreciate you sharing your experiences. Um, sure. And I can say, others. yeah, and I can say uh, maybe like beyond the cutting off financially, I think hitting a wall of and knowing my own, and, and hopefully others can have maybe the self-realization of this too, at certain points when you don't have enough uh, uh you're maxed out. You don't have enough ability, skill set, knowledge, whatever it may be, and continuing to learn. So for me, the MBA was a, a door opening, not because it gets you a job, not because it gets you any more income or anything like that, but the skill set, the knowledge that was, you know, I undergraduate, I didn't take so serious, but the MBA, I read every page of every book, got a 4.0 in that MBA. And I, that knowledge, not, it again, didn't give me any job. The connection got me a job, but the, but the knowledge uh, was very helpful. And that's where, again, I, I guess I think I'm kind of um, hitting a wall uh, to where why I enrolled in the DBA of Florida is because um, I, uh, you know, I want to get more sign-offs from CEOs, more, more sign-offs to CFOs. And I've realized that, that like, don't, I've given everything I can. I don't know how to convince them anymore. I need more skill set, more knowledge. So yeah. my takeaway would just be with kind of inspiring people is, is that um, a learning compounds mm -hmm. and uh, you know, any financial advisor, whoever would probably say, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's only too late to start saving or something. If you don't start saving today, you know, like you should start like, but you can't go backwards and get past whatever's in the past, the past, but you can control what you can do moving forward. And, and to me, learning compounds. And so if you haven't been investing in learning, 
uh, I listen to a lot of LinkedIn learning courses. I listen to a lot of podcasts like, the, you know, this, this is a great one too. listen through probably all the episodes here and everything else. Just if you can just emerge yourself in, in knowledge and education and learning, uh, you're going to start to see a bigger picture and, and that's going to compound and, uh, and hopefully be helpful to take you kind of to the next stage in your life. Absolutely. I like that point of, you know, sort of feeling like you'd hit that wall and like, okay, it's time for me to learn something new to expand my knowledge that can expand my horizons, essentially, mm -hmm. is that, am I, am I getting that right? Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Brandon, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Uh, I think that a lot of people can be inspired by hearing it and what you've been through and the success that you've seen with it and yet still digging in and learning more. So I appreciate that. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so uh, well, thanks for having me. It was fun talking with you. Uh, you can find me at, um, you can go to marketingexec.us, so www.marketingexec.us. Email me at brandon, B-R-A-N-D-E-N, at marketingexec.us. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, send me a message there. I'd love to have a chat with you, uh, you know, consult, uh, give any answers that you, you may have. Um, and if you made it through the end of this show, thank you. Uh, I'm on a variety of other podcasts as well. So I would just encourage you to, to maybe listen to some more and, and maybe you pick up a few other uh, different uh, talking points there. Well, and I know that you have been on some marketing specific podcasts. So those would probably be good to listen to if you want to learn more about marketing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Thank you so much. Um, I'll put that information in the show notes so everybody can find you. And I, again, thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. I know there are many podcasts you can spend your precious time with, and I'm grateful you came here today. You can connect with Brandon on LinkedIn and through his website, marketingexec.us, where you can find other podcasts featuring Brandon if you'd like to learn more about his marketing strategies. You can find me on social media at I am Sarah Larson or at my website, sarah-larson.com. That's Sarah with an H and Larson with an E. Links for both of us can be found in the show notes. The number one way that people find podcasts is through the recommendation of a friend. If you liked this episode, take a screenshot and send it to someone you think will enjoy it, or share it on social media. Be sure to tag me so I can give you a shout out. A great way to say thank you is to leave a five-star rating, or even better, leave a review with your impressions of the podcast. My desire is that as many people as possible will be inspired by the stories shared here, and your support helps spread the word. Thank you, friends. See you next time.